If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beer starting at $3.50. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm your host, Doug Gray, and I'm joined by Chad Dodson of RedLakeNation.com. How are you doing tonight, Chad? Uh, doing wonderful. Uh, happy to be back for another uh, exciting edition of Red Lake Nation Radio. Is that sufficiently excited for you? Yes, yes. Um <laughs> Let's uh, let's jump right into everybody's favorite topic, especially yours, since I know you've mentioned it a few times about how much you love talking about it. Um, Aroldis Chapman, um, Dusty Baker has you know been campaigning that he wants Chapman in the bullpen you know, for a while now, um, so that's not really surprising. Um, but earlier this week, Hal McCoy came out with an article, and inside the article, he stated that Brian Price also said that he prefers that Chapman pitch out of the bullpen. And, you know, that kind of, I guess, threw everybody for a surprise, given that over time Price has stated that, you know, he believes that Chapman should be in the rotation. And then, you know, the next day, of course, other writers asked Brian Price about it, and he came out and said that he had, but he did not say that. And that if somebody said that he said that, that they clearly misunderstood what he was saying. Um, but I guess at that point, the writer decided to go ask Chapman himself, you know, what he preferred to do. And he came out and said that, he preferred to be the closer. Um, and then, you know, for the past few years, he stated that he wanted to be the starter. And then recently he had said that, you know, getting into the closer role, at first he wasn't sure about it, but, you know, as things went on and he had more success with it, that it was something that, you know, he preferred to do. So it's interesting that, you know, he's come out and said that after basically saying that he wanted to be a starter the whole time. At this point, Walt basically hasn't said much of anything other than, you know, if, you know, we're not an organization that lets the players decide what role they want to be in. But, you know, he hasn't come out and said that, you know, we're sticking with Chapman in the rotation or, you know, we're going to make him, you know, back to the closer and, you know, go with Mike Leake. So I just think that it's interesting the way that this is all played out and that, you know, basically they're playing it out in the media rather than, you know, Walt Jockety sitting down with, you know, Brian Price, Dusty Baker, and Aroldis Chapman, and, you know, figuring it out and just making one broad statement that this is what we're going to do and that, you know, that's that's the final word for now. So I, I just can't believe the way that it's played out. What's your take on that? Well, it's just I'm, I'm with you. I can't believe the way this is uh, played out in public like this. 
you know, every week I think we're done uh, talking about a role that's, and I really, I kind of know better every week that uh, we've got to keep going, but something new happens every week or we have to talk about this again, um, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's why we're here, but this whole thing just uh, astounds me. Uh, I'm really disappointed in Dusty Baker. You know, I've, I've never, uh, I'm not a fully paid member of the Dusty Baker fan club, but I've never been uh, exceptionally critical of the guy. I wrote an article uh, for ESPN.com actually last year that I really defended Dusty Baker. I think that might have been the, even the uh, the headline on it was defending Dusty Baker. Um, yeah, he has his, uh, there's some good, good points and, and his bad points, obviously, and we know what they are, and we've talked about them a thousand times, no need to get into those. But I have really, really sort of gotten irritated with the way Dusty Baker has taken this thing uh, public, has really, if I'm Walt Jockety right now, I'm really irritated with uh, with Dusty. Um, going out in the uh, and really campaigning against his boss, a- a- actually campaigning against the guy who went out on a limb and uh, you know got got him a two year contract uh, at the end of last year, uh, when really there was a, a pretty good case to be made after his disastrous performance, uh, Dusty's disastrous performance in the playoffs last year, uh, pretty good case for maybe uh, starting fresh with somebody else. Um, and, and now Walt Jockney's made this decision. To uh, move, Ch- I hope that they st- he sticks with the decision. I hope that's the decision that's been made to move Chapman to the to the rotation. And Dusty just starts this campaign in the media to try to get uh, get his way. Now here's the here's the problem. Dusty Baker and Walt Jockety have uh, similar goals, but they're actually uh, when you look at them closely, they're widely divergent. Dusty's goal is to save his job this year. Dusty has to worry about right now. And listen, I'm all for that. I think the Reds need to be in, in, in some ways, need to be in win-now mode. They've got a great team this year. They need to be trying to win. But Walt Jockey's got to look at what's best for the Reds this year, next year, the year after, long term. Now, um, Dusty does not have to look at that. Dusty doesn't care about that and has no reason to care about that because he's not going to be here long term. Uh, no manager is. So I'm sort of putting my faith in Walt Jockey here uh, to – do the right thing for the Reds organization going forward. And you mentioned just briefly, you mentioned what Chapman wants. I don't, I don't care what Aroldis Chapman wants. I mean, take it into consideration, sure. But but Aroldis Chapman doesn't know what's best for the Reds going forward. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't mind Chapman saying what he said. That's fine. He's the player. He doesn't really understand what's best for the organization. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, having actually gone public last year and being criticized for, uh, in some ways, for being criticized for defending Dusty. Now here I'm going to have to come out and say I'm really, really not happy with uh, what we've seen out of him the last few weeks. I'm not sure if it's on my end or not, but I'm having some technical difficulties here. Um, uh, looks like I lost everything. Um, I'm actually going to have to call back in. I'm not sure if it's just me, but, Chad, if you can hear me. Um, I can hear just, you. Uh, keep going on with uh, the talks we have laid out, and hopefully I can rejoin here in about 10 seconds.
Chad, you there? I called back in. I'm not sure if I'm still having problems or not. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. I think I think it was all on my end. I'm sorry, guys. I I just lost all connection with my phone, I guess. It really fritzed out on me there for a minute. Um, yeah, I think I lost about halfway through the Roldis Chapman talk there. You mean my Roldis Chapman rant? Yeah, we can call it that. We can call it that. Um <laughs> But so did you did you get it all out, um, or did I kind of cut you off when I started talking about my difficulties on this end? Oh, I got I got it all out. I, I finished up. Uh, I, matter of fact, I didn't even know I was talking to anybody else. I was going so well. I, I didn't realize there was somebody else on the phone. I, sometimes I talk to myself about Aroldis Chapman anyway, so it was no big deal. I, I think we all have that problem, although uh, I'm not sure we're all quite as long-winded as you are. Um, you seem to... Uh, <laughs> Be very, very strongly opinionated when it comes to a role of Chapman. Uh, that's a fact. No question about it. <laughs> I think that the Reds are, would be doing the uh, disservice to Chapman's career and to the Reds' future by not having him in the starting rotation, or at least trying him in the starting rotation. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I just, I don't know. I think that it was very telling that the little bit amount that Walt Jockety did say, that, you know, he basically said it, that, you know, he doesn't let players decide what the role is going to be. Uh, I think that was pretty telling as to where he stands on everything, but I also think that the way that he said it, he's going to at least look at it from everybody else's perspective and, you know, I guess try and make the best decision after talking with everybody, even though it seems that everybody else has kind of played it out in the media what they feel should happen. I just hope Walt brings me in on the discussion because uh, there's a lot of people, it sounds like, that are itching for him to be the closer. Uh and so uh, I haven't gotten a call from him yet, but I, I'll keep my phone by my side. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, too, because that would be pretty sweet. But, uh, one uh, interesting thing that I saw on Twitter yesterday uh, from Buster Olney was that scouts were raving about Mike Leake this spring. And I know that, you know, that tweet came out right before his start, and he didn't do so well in his start. But the tweet said that Buster had talked to scouts who were raving about Mike Leake this spring and that he's commanding four different pitches and he's throwing 92 to 93 miles an hour. I haven't seen Mike Leake work that well with his fastball since he was in college and he was getting, you know, full week's rest in between starts. So he's probably going to put a little bit more onto it. And that's one of the things that I've always been concerned about with Mike Leake is that, you know, his fastball wasn't good enough to really, you know, I guess set up his off-seat pitches and that, you know, his lack of a true out pitch was kind of holding him back. Um, you know, I think that if Leak can work 92 to 93, that, you know, he could take a, a pretty big step forward this year, you know, I guess if he's given that chance, which, as we just talked about, we're not sure he's going to get. But, you know, even if he's throwing 92 to 93 right now, if he winds up in the bullpen, you know, maybe he can get a little bit more out of that. I, know, I just thought that was really interesting to see that, you know, he was throwing a little bit harder than we've seen him throw in the past. Well, that is interesting, and you know, this is this is a year that sort of everyone expected Mike Leake maybe to, if he was going to take a step forward. He's still a young guy, you know, um, and and for parts of last year, he looks awfully good. People forget that with about a month left in the season or something like that. If you compared his numbers with Homer Bailey's numbers, uh, they were very similar. As a matter of fact, using some of the uh, advanced metrics, Leake looked a little bit better with about a month left in the season, and then of course Homer finished out the season very strongly, and everyone's really high on Homer Bailey now. And, of course, Homer Bailey did have a good year. So, uh, Leak 
struggled near the end, and um, it, that is what it is. But it's going to be a very interesting situation if he really is uh, as impressive as what we're hearing, uh, what we heard certainly from Buster Olney. If Leak has been that impressive, does that make their uh, decision on Chapman different? I, I don't think it should, and I think having six uh, capable starting pitchers is just the most amazing problem to have because I remember the years when we had Jimmy Haynes uh, starting on opening day. So uh, all five starters are not going to be healthy all year. If Mike Lee can really take a huge step forward, uh, you won't miss a beat if someone goes down uh, with an injury. So that's very, very a very exciting report from uh, Buster Olney. I only hope that it's true because it's just uh, after, after sitting through the 2000s, like I said, the Jimmy Andersons and the Eric Miltons, golly, what an abundance of riches. Yeah, let's uh, let's try and forget that, um, and let's not bring <laughs> yeah, that really. up ever again. How about that? <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh, it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen because if Mike Leake is in the major leagues for I think it's two weeks to begin this season, while he will still have options because he's got so much service time, they have to get his permission to send him to the minor leagues. And I, I know that most people feel that his stuff isn't the kind of stuff that'll play up out of the bullpen, and. Uh, you know, like you said, maybe if they're impressed with him, and I mean, his spring numbers aren't that good. His whip is nearly two in his 8.1 innings. His ERA is over six. But it, it seems that, you know, the, the scouts do seem to be impressed by him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about using Mike Leake because of the options being there, but also not being there if they decide to send him down. Like, if they, if they send him down right away, then he'll keep his options until he spends two weeks in the major leagues. But I think that if for some reason they decide to keep him in the major leagues for a little bit, but there's not going to be a place for him in Louisville because he's not going to accept the assignment. I, I think that that's going to play an interesting role in this whole, I guess, number five starter and who winds up in the bullpen. Certainly, and that always plays a role in what happens uh, in these, when these decisions are made. You know, uh, one thing that I, we really need to discuss is if the Reds do, if Walt Jockey comes out and confirms that they're trying to make Chapman a starter, uh, they've got this plan that they've discussed evidently he and brian price and they're developing a plan for how to keep uh, chapman's innings under control so that he's still available to pitch in october and we don't have a situation like we had with uh Stra- like the national side with strasburg so i could see maybe leak and chapman sort of sharing that fifth spot uh i know early in the season there are a lot of off days and there's not as many t- turns in the rotation for the fifth spot anyway but they could let leak Long relief as well as, uh, you know, spot starting instead of Chapman to help keep his innings down. I mean, there are any number of ways they could maybe uh, juggle that to where Lee could also really technically be a starter on this team at the same time as Chapman. And then, you know, you get an injury at some point during the season and Lee's there to step in. You don't have to skip a beat. So, uh, you know, I I think there are any number of ways they can handle that if, in fact, Leak is, uh, you know, pitching well enough. And that small sample size, who knows, uh, but uh, because those numbers do look bad, but there are any number of ways they could work this out to make it work for everyone. I don't expect Mike Leake to uh, spend a day in AAA this year. Just that's my opinion. I don't think so either. I think that you know, especially with Dusty Baker as the manager, he's going to fight for his guys. And you know, it's not that you know Mike Leake deserves to be in AAA on most teams. I mean, I think you could make the argument that you know he probably just isn't good enough to be one of the five rotation guys or one of the six or seven guys they put in the bullpen. But I think that the fact is, you know, he's very well-liked in the clubhouse, and he's been with the Reds, you know, full-time for the last three years outside of, what, you know, three weeks in the minor leagues. 
Right. It, you know, he's just going to, you know, he's going to have those guys fighting for him. And, you know, he's not really, I guess, a significant downgrade to anybody else. And it, it's just going it, to, it's just something that they're not going to, you know, push the issue with. And I don't know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they use all of their pitchers, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the Mike Leak and Aroldis Chapman situation, should they stick with, Chapman in the rotation, how they're going to work Mike Leake in, because as you noted, they're not going to get Chapman, you know, throwing 200 innings this year. They're going to have to find a way to be creative and work his inning limits so that they can't have him in the playoffs, which, you know, I know that you don't plan that far ahead or you don't want to plan that far ahead, but I, I think that the Reds finals just have to know that they're the favorites going in to the season and that they're going to need to, you know, limit his innings somewhat if they want to have him pitching in the rotation in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, and, and and I'm really happy that Brian Price is involved in this discussion. I, I, Brian Price has impressed me more than just about anybody. The pitching coach for the Reds, Brian Price, has impressed me more than just about anyone in uh, Reds' uh, on-field management uh, for years. I mean, I don't remember the last person that I was uh, as impressed. Maybe Davey Johnson uh, when he was managing the Reds in the mid-'90s. Uh, Brian Price, this guy uh, – Unless it completely got me fooled, really, uh, he knows what he's doing. Of course, now he has a great reputation across baseball. Fantastic! I was afraid we were going to lose him because um, he was interviewed for a spot as a manager in the off season. Uh, very highly respected, and and I like the fact that he's going to have some input into what's going on and uh, and how all this plays out. Because uh, I I don't know what I would do if I were uh, if I were managing this club, but I guess that's why they're getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Um, because it's going to be it's going to be the single most fascinating thing to watch as far as I'm concerned with this team over the first couple months of the season. Yeah, I I, I agree completely. Brian Price, I think that he's one of the most underrated people in the Reds organization, and that's saying a lot because I think that a lot of people do feel very good about having him, you know, as our pitching coach. I just think that he's that underrated because of what he's been able to do with this rotation. Well, the rotation last year was just unbelievable. No, nobody expected the rotation to be that good. And and I think, this is why I keep pumping up uh, Chapman for uh, the rotation, I think it can be even better, if you can believe it, this year. Uh, probably the number two rotation in the league last year. I expect they could, if Chapman progresses like we all hope he will, could be even better. And uh, yeah, I think there are reasons to believe the offense is going to be better, too. So um, that should make you uh, Reds fans out there awfully happy. Makes me happy. Yeah, I'm I'm not disappointed at all about having him, uh, you know, on on our side of things. Um, got about ten minutes left. Um, I know that, you know, we actually just had a phone caller. If uh, but they they dropped. If they would like to call back, we will take their question. Um, but we actually had a question on Twitter um, that wanted to know about the future of the guys who actually were sent down yesterday. Um, and, you know, being the minor league guy, I feel like I can address that pretty well. Um, for those who don't know, the Reds sent Donald Lutz to – they optioned him down to double-A Pensacola and then sent Henry Rodriguez, Curtis Parks, Neftali Soto, and Pedro Villarreal to Louisville. All those guys were optioned as well since they're on the 40-man roster. But um, yeah, I'm very interested so, to hear your uh, opinions on these guys, actually, because I've got a pretty high opinion of most of those guys. I think they all have a chance to contribute in the future, but – uh, hey, you're the minor league guru. What, what, what's the word? 
Uh, we'll, we'll start off with Donald Blunt since he, uh, you know, he turned some heads this spring. Um, he did. But you know, he, he's also the guy that they sent to the lowest level um, of all those five guys. The other four went to Louisville, and he's heading back to Double A where he struggled last year. You know, his, his batting average on balls in play was a little bit lower than you'd think for him. But at the same time, his power was way down when he got to Double A. Um, and as we all know, he can hit the ball a country mile. So I thought that was pretty interesting because the park down there played very well for uh, home runs. Both fields, left field and right field, the ball absolutely flew out of there. I mean, the home run factor was almost 2-1 to one compared to the rest of the league. And he really struggled to hit for power. And I think that he's going to have to make the adjustment um, to the off-speed pitches there. You know, while he didn't strike out a lot, he wasn't making good contact like he had done in the past. So hopefully he can make that adjustment. Um, you know, you have to wonder if, you know, him being in left field for the first time over an extended period of time wasn't playing, you know, a little bit with the bat. You know, he wasn't as concentrated. Um, and, you know, now that he's had more time, that, you know, maybe he's ready to make that adjustment and focus a little bit more on his overall game rather than focusing just on his defense. Um but actually, we've got our caller back, so I'm going to jump to them real quick. Sure, go ahead. All right. You there, caller? Yes. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Uh, what's your question? Uh, two two part question. One, uh, I heard you speaking about Coach Bryce. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's just phenomenal, and I think the organization knows that. Uh, Coach Bryce was interviewed yesterday. He was talking about two people wanted to get your input on. Uh, one was uh, Hayes from uh, the Pensacola Wahoos, I believe. And the other, he um, was speaking about a young lefty by the name of Mano that I guess pitched in the World Games. Um, that he, uh, I believe Mano pitched in the um, last game against the Brewers, and he was quite impressed with him. Any uh, talk on either one of those guys? Yeah, I can uh, I can get right on that. Um, we'll start off with Chris Mano. Um, we acquired him last or two years ago via trade, and you know he had just been flat out dominant. Um, but I, I think that you know he's got a future in the major leagues. But as a left-handed pitcher, he really struggles to get out left-handed hitters. Um, you know his off-speed stuff is it, it's all right. Um, he needs to work on it a little bit more. But you know he's got an interesting, I guess his mechanics are interesting. It, it kind of you know, it, he hides the ball really well, and I, I think that, you know, if he wants to be more than a situational guy, he's going to have to work on his changeup a little bit, you know, um, and his slider's probably going to have to take a little bit of a step forward. But, you know, he's got good control, and he throws strikes. I just think that he's got a little bit more time that he's going to need to spend in the minor leagues before he's ready for the majors. Um, with Drew Hayes, you know, he's got really good stuff, but... He really struggles to throw strikes, and, I, I, I mean, that, that's kind of been the thing with him. You know, he's been able to get a lot of strikeouts in his career, but his walk rate for his career is almost near six point or uh, six per nine innings, and that's just not going to work in the major leagues. He's going to have to find a way to throw more strikes, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually repeated double-A despite the fact that he had an ERA of three-and-a-half in Pensacola last year just because I, I think that they're going to want him – to be somewhere where he's comfortable and confident that he can get guys out, but also, you know, have him work on things where there's not quite as much pressure on him because he knows that he can be successful at that level. So I, I just think that, you know, him taking a step forward with his control is going to be really big for him this year. Um, you know, 
they're going to have to decide, I think, at the end of this season, although it might be next year, I'm not entirely sure, if to add him to the 40-man roster. And while his stuff will certainly play at the major league level, if he can't get his control a little bit better, you know, he's not going to see an extended try in the major league because he's just going to be walking every other guy, and you can't have that at the major league level. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Right. Yeah, thanks for calling. All right. Well, um, if anybody else has any calls, we've still got a few minutes left if you'd like to call in. Um, if not, I'm going to jump right back into the Twitter question that we had earlier. And, Talk about um, Henry Rodriguez next, if you don't mind, because that's the guy that I think this guy is going to end up uh, being able to contribute on the major league level. Uh, got a good bat, doesn't he? He does, and I, I think that he can hit at the major league level right now. I mean, he's hitting really well this spring. Um, but, you know, as anybody who's followed along this spring, he's also kind of got some defensive issues. Um, you know, he came up as a second baseman for the most part in the minor league system for the Reds. Uh, last year they played him at third base uh, pretty frequently, and from what I saw, I feel like he's a much better third baseman defensively than he is a second baseman. Um, he's got quick reactions over there, and, you know, he seems he, he seems like he can make the routine play just about every time. You know, that's not something that you can really say about him at second base where it just seemed that, you know, two or three times a week, he totally botched just a regular routine play, be it, you know, not getting his glove all the way down or just just butchering something. And I, that's always been the big thing with him at second base. It's not that scouts were concerned that, you know, he didn't have the range or he didn't have the arm. It, it, it just didn't seem that he was putting in full effort there. And I didn't see that at third base. I feel like he was trying as hard as he could. He was making all of the right plays. And I don't know if it's a comfort level thing uh, because I know that, in the winter leagues, when he plays in Venezuela, you know he does play shortstop and third base down there. So I, I wonder if it's just a comfort thing, you know, that he's more comfortable there. He's played there longer um, than at second base. But I think that if he wants to be anything more than a, you know, I guess a super sub kind of guy, he's going to have to work on his defense because I don't, I don't think that his bat is good enough to play at third base. So. If he wants to be a full-time starter, he's probably going to have to work on being a better second baseman. And, you know, I say that knowing that he's not going to ever play over Brandon Phillips. But, you know, if the opportunity arises, I'm not sure that he's the kind of guy that they would go with at second base if Brandon Phillips were to go down for any extended period of time just because of his defense. But if he could play a passable defense at, at third and at second, uh, maybe even, you know, at short in a pinch, um, that's a guy that sounds like though could be fairly valuable with a bat like that coming off the bench in the major leagues. Could really help a team. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's not ever going to hit for much power. Um, he's a switch hitter, and his power on both sides of the plate is dead pool. He, he doesn't have any power to the gaps or to the opposite field, uh, no matter which side of the plate he's hitting from. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if he, you know, gets a chance to play, you know, this position, that position, you know, three or four times a week, you know, he's going to bring you value because the guy can hit. Uh, you know, he's a little bit aggressive. I'd like to see him, you know, take a few more pitches. But, you know, the guy hits. It's I don't I don't know what else to say. The guy can hit. He's a hitter. And I, I don't have any concerns at all about his bat. What do you think about uh, – who's the other one we're going to talk about there? Uh, there was somebody that really was interesting to me, and now I've lost his name on that list. Uh, that's Soto, Parch, and Zillow, yes. y'all. Yeah, Neftali Soto. What are they going to do with this yeah, guy? They're uh, they going to move him back to first? Is he going to play third this year? What are they going to do? 
Well, the Reds have actually talked openly about trying him at third base this spring. And, you know, he got moved off of that position in the past. And I, I think that it's interesting that, you know, now they're going to try and give it another shot because, you know, I guess they feel that his bat could do something. But, you know, he's just not going to play over Joey Votto. Everybody knows that. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, he could play at third base. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. You know, he never was a good fielder over there. But, you know, they're going to give it a try. And, you know, he's got the tools to play there. His arm's strong enough, and his glove work isn't bad. Um, and it's been a few years since he's played there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, outside of, you know, Gabe Bruce, I really do think that Neftali Soto's probably got as good of power as anybody in the organization. You know, he hit 30 home runs a few years ago. He played injured last year and only hit 14. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that could hit you 30 home runs in the future if things work out. So... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, Todd Frazier's, you know, the third base position is his, but I'm not entirely sure that everybody's sold that he can be the answer for the next five or six years. So I think the Reds are they're taking a, not a huge risk to move him off of first base and try him out at third base again, you know, maybe get that back going and, you know, kind of just, you know, see how it goes. Listen, we're starting to run out of time. How, I need to have enough time to do another Araldis Chapman rant here. Come on, we're running. You're, you're talking too much about the stuff that you are an expert on, and not giving me time to just complain. Well, you've got about 45 seconds. Complain away. <laughs> oh no, that's all right. I guess I'll pass. We'll wait till next week when I'm sure there will be another storyline about Araldis Chapman that we'll have to discuss. Right, well, I'll uh, I'll throw out a few quick words on Curtis Parks before we end the show. Um, you know, he's a got really big fastball, 93 to 97 is where he sits. Um, he can touch a little bit higher than that. Um, you know, last year he made the transition to the bullpen after a really bad start as a starter. And, I mean, he was flat-out dominant. Um, I think that he's one of the guys that you really want to watch for in the Louisville bullpen um, that, you know, could come up at some point this year and make a difference. But uh, we're out of time now, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beer starting at $3.50. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Buffalo Wild Wings thinks your afternoons could use a little spicing up, so they're happy to remind you about, well, the happy hour. You know the concept. Grab your friends and visit your nearest B-dubs to score $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms. There are beverages, too, like select domestic draft beers starting at $3.50 and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Which reminds me, I'm hungry. And happy hour is sounding pretty good right about now. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'.
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 